0: Good morning, welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright, so happy to be with you on this Thursday, September 21st. It's, uh, you know, a little overcast outside the window, but I have to say there was a little peaceful rain last night and it was just a, a nice ending to a great day. Let's begin our day off on a great foot as well, on the right foot, and let's pray our morning offering together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're going to hear about the Eucharist today quite a bit. We're going to hear a a lot about Eucharistic revival, but we're also going to go to school with Father David Skillman to hear some more about the Redeemer of Man as Father Skillman and I will continue to work through this encyclical over the coming weeks. And uh, there's a lot to unpack in JP2. So I'm I'm grateful for Father Skillman spending the time with us. Before we get to Father Skillman, though, we're also going to welcome to the show Chris Frank from the National Eucharistic Revival talking about the new small groups that are launching. And you might have one in your parish, or maybe you can help Father out with uh, launching one in your parish. And then we have a homily from Father Kirby on Eucharistic Revival, as well as one from Father Jonathan Meyer. That's all on the show today. Before we go to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our Saint of the Day.
1: Today is the feast day of Saint Matthew, apostle and evangelist. Born in the first century in Capernaum, Matthew was the son of Alphaeus. He was literate and bilingual, fluent in Aramaic and Greek. But he was also a tax collector and as such, considered by most, but especially the Pharisees, a collaborator with the occupying Roman force and a great sinner. He was part of Jewish society that the Pharisees absolutely hated. So when Jesus sees Matthew at his post and calls him to follow, It is a complete shock to the leaders of the Jewish community, and they are outraged. To make it even more outrageous, Jesus and his followers attend a party at Matthew's house where all of Matthew's sinner friends are present. It is certainly one of the main points they will use to build a case to have Jesus killed. Matthew will go on to witness the rest of Jesus' life, his resurrection, and help spread the word until he himself is martyred. But why did Jesus pick Matthew in the first place? He must have known Matthew's heart in a way only Jesus could. Of course, that's true of all of us. Jesus always knows the true intention of our hearts, and he has called us to follow. St. Matthew, the Apostle, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
2: Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player search covenant network to see all our podcasts
3: the memorary to saint joseph for the sanctification of families remember o most chaste spouse of the virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided full of confidence in thy power i fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families despise not o guardian of the redeemer my humble prayer but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen.
0: Chris Frank is the Chief Mission Officer for the Eucharistic Revival. You may have heard about this over the past year or so here on Roadmap to Heaven or anywhere in the Catholic Church in the United States right now, but we're so happy to have you with us on Roadmap today, Chris. We're talking about Jesus and the Eucharist, a new small group program that is rolling out pretty much right now. So uh, number one, welcome. Number two, tell us what we're talking about today.
2: Yeah, so thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. And then, just in the Eucharist, this new small group study that was a collaboration between the Augustine Institute and the USCCB is a seven-week small group series for the church to bring about greater devotion and formation around the Eucharist and church teaching. So, we're really excited that this is finally out, and we're really excited for the churches to begin to dive into this study
0: all right so let's uh recap here because we've talked about some of the small group stuff before but when we say small group uh who are we talking about are are these already pre-selected groups and if we miss the boat on this it's too late to get in
2: no no not at all so there are various elements in how we could do this but every parish in this revival movement has been asked to have a parish point person we have offered trainings for this study and the way that we've kind of laid this out is that we hope that the church offers this to the congregation. And then as the congregation comes, the parish comes together for this study and community that they sit in table groups. So ideally six to eight people are sitting at a table together watching this video series. And the video is really plug and play. So you kind of watch the video and then it stops so that there can be discussion and then the content continues. So it's very easy, it's a very light lift for the parish, but the small groups are from the parish, table groups that are kind of set by people who want to partake in the study.
0: That's one of the things I love about how you're setting this up. You have the, the parish leader playbook, and, you know, for anyone who's ever coached, especially I'm, I'm thinking back to when I coached T-ball for my son's team, and I had never coached before. I'm like, I need, I need the coach to tell me what to do. I need somebody else's playbook. Well, here the Eucharistic revival is giving you the playbook. All you have to do is say, Father, would you be interested in having this at the parish if Father doesn't want to take the lead because he's got 8 million other things on his plate? Chris and his crew are going to give you everything you need to run this small group program and to lead it at your parish. So whether you started a small group program already or you're diving in for the first time, the resources are out there. We're talking about this, Chris, in the midst, we're, I guess, about halfway through, right around the halfway point of the National Eucharistic Revival, and we're in the middle of the parish year still. Uh, yeah. what are the fruits that you're hoping to see from this? Because this isn't just like, let's have a class at the parish so that everyone gets a little bit more continuing ed, but this is all about leading a steeper in relationship. What do you uh, hope that looks like on the other side of this program?
2: You no, know, that's, that's exactly right. And I love, again, Bishop Cousins has been saying this from the beginning of the revival, that the revival is not about a program. It's about a fire. And so we really want people to just have that, that burning love, um, that greater desire for the Lord. So with this study, yes, ideally we have people who have greater understanding and greater devotion to Jesus, specifically in the Blessed Sacrament. But even more than that, we hope that this study specifically launches parishes into more small group studies to create a better sense of community within the parish so that the church collectively going forward can continue to dive into studies and further opportunities to be a parish as they dive deeper into faith and catechesis
0: i'm guessing a good benchmark would be if if someone is maybe new to all of this in the parish and they say all right i'm gonna go out on a limb here i've been invited to the small group i heard about this on the radio i heard about this online watching a video maybe they didn't go to eucharistic adoration before this but on the flip side they're going to start visiting the adoration chapel or maybe they're showing up a little early to mass to prep to receive our lord in the holy eucharist right. and and stay in a couple minutes afterwards to spend some time in thanksgiving for that gift we receive at each and every holy mass
2: oh absolutely i think that would be that would be the dream right yeah. that it's not just again oh i learned a few new things about my faith but that we see it in practice and specifically we see it in, in deepening relationship with our Lord. And so, right, more people going to adoration, more people going to daily mass or staying afterwards to have a few moments of, of prayer to, to see fruit like that. That's what makes this moment really exciting for the church.
0: Now, there is no shortage of information on the National Eucharistic Revival website, which is a blessing. Uh, in fact, I just finished doing my registration for the Congress a few minutes ago. I'm so excited to be going out there. And uh, But here's the thing. When there's no shortage of information, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. We say, all right, I heard about this small group thing, but I have no idea where to go. So, Chris, set us straight. If, if we want to you know, get this started in our parish, or maybe we've been tasked with getting this started in our parish where do we need to go to get everything we need for this particular program, Jesus and the Eucharist?
2: Yeah, great question. So if we go to eucharisticrevival.org, you're going to find the links right there. Um, This is really for parish point people to find. Um, Again, we've given training to these people who are supposed to bring this study to the parish, but the little secret of this whole thing is that it's a totally free program, and it's available on our Learn platform. So anybody can go to our website. You look for the free resources, and you can find the study right there. But again, if you're a Parish Point person looking to bring this to your parish, or you're just on your phone looking for some quick information, eucharisticrevival.org is the website that will get you all you need.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, You know, I I love the thought of doing this in the parish and the intention of doing this in the parish, but I also love how you say, if if that's not you, if you can't make that work, well, we're still going to make this available to you. Uh, We joke around all the time here that we've got the Wright Institute for Theological Discourse, and it's the dining room table every night where the kids are asking these questions. And, you know, I might not take them to small group at the parish, but especially with the older kids, this could be a great thing to do in the home. Um, you, You said those lessons are being released digitally, so it's not like you even have to watch the mailbox. It's all Going to get either emailed to you or posted on the website that's right that's exactly right
2: yeah i've actually watched a a video on my phone and so i'm i'm there in my living room just watching it my kids are over my shoulder and uh it's been a fun thing for my family to be a part of so i hope that is true for other families around the country
0: All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing the good news about this new program. We hope that you're going to check out all of these great resources. I have to tell you, I was poking around on the uh, Facebook page for the National Eucharistic Revival today, and it was just like inspiring video after inspiring video after inspiring video. And even as a guy that's surrounded by Catholic stuff all day long on the radio here, I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. I want to watch more of this. Oh, i got to go interview Chris here. i got to (laughs) stop. I've got to stop. So be sure to follow him on social media. Go to the website for the Eucharistic Revival. Think about the Congress. Maybe you're going to go with your diocese or another group. It's all great stuff out there. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for the hard work you and the team are doing to make this a priority for our country and for our Catholic Church in the, the United States right now. Oh, thank you. All right, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven, but there is more ahead after this. Stay tuned.
1: Prayer for God's blessing of one's daily work. Oh Lord my God, Creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice
0: of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts With St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. Have you ever asked yourself, what's in a name? And this is a question that's come up at the Wright Institute for Theological Discourse. Also known as our dining room table with the kids. Uh, why did you name me this? What? Why did you pick this name for me? Or as our son's preparing for confirmation, looking at all of the saints and trying to choose a name for his confirmation name and, and the great conversations we're having with this. We're going to get into names today as we continue our weekly discourse on St. John Paul II's first encyclical, Redemptor Hominess, with Father David Skillman. Father, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks. It's good to be back. Now, when we talk about St. John Paul II, we can ask that question, what's in the name? I, You know, we, we used to ask this question when we were kids in grade school. If you were ever elected pope, what name would you pick? Because you can change your name. And, uh, you know, I don't even know, how do you pick? But in that moment when the College of Cardinals says, you've been elected pope, do you accept? Oh, by the way, we're going to go out on the balcony here, and you need to tell we need to tell the world your new name.
4: So uh, go ahead and pick one right now. <laughs> right, yeah. So this next section of Redemptor Hominis is— Still under that heading of inheritance, he's reflecting on what he and the Church has inherited, Um, but he titles this the first words of the new pontificate, and this is where he goes. He speaks about his first words being his acceptance of his election there in the Sistine Chapel at the Vatican, and then this choice of a name, and he speaks about how he chooses his name, John Paul, precisely in order to connect himself with those who have come immediately before him. So maybe most obviously right before John Paul II was John Paul I, right? who was Pope for 33 days, this very short pontificate, um, really a shock to the whole world that he, he died um, so soon after his election. But St. John Paul refers to him as his beloved predecessor. You know, There's a sense of the, this affection for the man that he's, he's following. But then he takes it further back as well, and he says John Paul I chose his names um, in order to carry on the work of the previous two popes before him, John Twenty-third and Paul the Sixth. And so St. John Paul II writes this, By following the example of my venerable predecessor in choosing them, I wish like him to express my love for the unique inheritance left to the Church by Popes John Twenty-third and Paul VI, and my personal readiness to develop that inheritance with God's help. So the word unique, we've already seen this word before. We see it again, this, the uniqueness of the contribution that these two men, Pope John Twenty Third and Pope Paul the Sixth, have given, which is an inheritance, right? It's a gift that we're meant to take, and then he uses the word develop, right? So again, I'm not starting something new. I'm not coming in with my own agenda and platform, I'm receiving something from these two now saints, St. Saint John the 23rd and St. Paul the 6th, and I desire to carry it forward and, and develop it. And we spoke about this a little bit before, but we can all too easily see the papacy um, kind of in this political way rather than in this sense of, of developing with consistency and fidelity what we have received and inherited. Um, and then John Paul II, he goes even farther. He, he notes that he's linked not only with the pontificates of these two, John the 23rd and Paul the 6th, but through them, he says, with the whole tradition and all of his predecessors throughout 20 centuries. And he calls this a, a threshold from which I intend to continue. So this this sense of at one and the same time moving forward, kind of launching from this threshold but without ever losing sight of what has come before that has formed and shaped who the church is at this point in history. And uh, he closes this section by referring to the Holy Spirit also, which will then kind of carry him over into the next part of the encyclical. But he speaks about letting myself be guided by unlimited trust in and obedience to the spirit that Christ promised and sent to his church. Um, That word obedience to is really important here. Right? This is part of that call to um, faithfully defend and hand on what we've inherited. The Pope is a man who is called to obedience first, you know that he's called to obey, to submit himself with humility and trust to the, the truth that Christ has revealed. He's not the uh, creator of truth or the decider of truth. He's the, the guardian of truth and the one who preserves it and hands it on. This may be odd, but as you were saying this, I think of the death of Theoden
0: in Lord of the Rings, of all things, and uh, to paraphrase, especially for those who have seen the film version, uh, when he dies on the battlefield, spoiler alert, too late, uh, (laughs) he he makes a statement essentially saying, now I shall be worthy to be in the halls of my fathers, you know, in in, in the, the line of kings before him. And there was always that big concern that he wasn't worthy enough, that he had squandered his reign, um, that he was a bad King, but no, he, he dies a good King. And I don't know why I think of that other than to say, you know, it's not, all right, he's the Pope now. And as you said, this political idea of what's St. John Paul II's platform, this is a continuation of a tradition that goes back to St. Peter. And we use that word development in unique, um, i think of all the times we spend pondering things you know i I've, I've, there are passages of scripture i'm sure you and i have each read multiple times probably some close to hundreds of times and yet every time we come back to the well we might find new understanding not new meaning the meaning's been there the whole time we just didn't see it we didn't understand it and we develop our understanding mm-hmm. of what's before us
4: right yeah and that's one of the beautiful things in the papacy certainly, but in the life of the Church in general, is that there's not a competition between kind of that preservation of what has come before and the development of what is to come and the unique contribution that I make or you make. You know, St. John Paul II, he had this great veneration for his predecessors, but he was also very different from them, you know, and he recognized that the gifts that God had given him, that he was now— putting at the service of the universal church was precisely at the service of this inheritance. And those unique gifts of his could kind of bring out different facets of the, the treasure of the church's teaching, the deposit of faith. You know, and this is what each of the popes does, I think, is he kind of brings out a different facet of that same um, deposit of faith. That, that we have received from Christ himself. And that's a really good lesson
0: for us. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love that we're going through this, but we, we do like to get to the practical here on the mm-hmm. show in how, how am I practically called to live out my life of holiness. And that's a great lesson, that how I'm called to live it out is very different in many ways from how you're called to live it. And now it's the same life of faith. It's the same source and summit. It's, uh you know, the same core beliefs, but you and your vocation as priest, me and my vocation as husband and father, uh, you listening in whatever vocation God has called you to, we all have kind of a unique expression of it, but at the heart, it's the same gospel that we are called to Evangelize. It's the same, uh, to go back to the Baltimore Catechism, the same God that we are called to know, love, and serve. And that's going to really help us with this lens of, okay, John Paul II is different from his predecessors, but uh, he's carrying forward the same gospel. He's preaching the same message, just maybe in a new way. Right. Yep. All right. Well, that's a good stopping point for us today. We're going to come back next week and continue talking about inheritance with Father David Skillman as we break open the first encyclical of St. John Paul II. Father, until next week, it's uh, great to have you with us. Good to be back.
3: Consecration to Mary. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, As I am your own, keep me, guard me as your property and possession. Amen.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's o u r catholicradio. dot o r g. We pause on this Thursday for our Daily Dose of Encouragement, where this week Patty Schneier has been sharing with us devotions and prayers to the infant Jesus. Patty, what are we going to hear today?
5: Well, in researching this, again, it's because of one of my closest friends has a huge devotion to the infant Jesus of Prague. I mean, she has statues all throughout her house. When someone is in the hospital or the emergency room, she will bring a statue to the hospital and place it by the side, brings all her intentions to the infant Jesus, and miracles of miracles truly she is a firm believer she has seen it happen the witness of that in my life maybe just want to say okay i need to learn about who is this infant jesus of prague and what about these devotions well in researching it i'm telling you it opened up a whole new world kind of like the divine mercy how that has just grown in the devotion you know divine mercy throughout the world I didn't realize there's a whole world of devotion to the infant Jesus, and especially the infant Jesus of Prague. Yesterday, I shared the prayer. Did most of us know? Did I know? No, I, didn't ever, I never knew this. There's a chaplet of the holy infant Jesus. There's a chaplet, and it's amazing. So this chaplet consists of three Our Fathers, in honor of the Holy Family, and 12 Hail Marys, in memory of the 12 years of the sacred infancy of our divine Savior, those first 12 years of his life. So to this little chaplet, there's three beads, and then the 12 in a little circle is attached a medal of the infant Jesus of Prague. So this devotion, the chaplet of the Holy Infant of Jesus, owes its origin to the zeal of a Sister Marguerite, a Carmelite religious who died in France in 1648. So this is old stuff. This has been around for a long time. She was distinguished for her devotion to the Holy Child of Jesus. Directed by heavenly guidance, Sister Marguerite, she fashioned the Infant Jesus chaplet. And Jesus promised Sister Marguerite that the faithful who recite it In memory of his birth, his flight into Egypt, his hidden life in Nazareth, will be granted the special graces of purity of heart and innocence. And in addition, will be unfailingly assisted by his divine help in all their spiritual wants. And then, Pius the Ninth. In 1855, he granted 100 days indulgence for the recitation of this chaplet. So it's so incredible to know, again, we have these treasures of prayers, treasures of things that we can call upon that are at our disposal, weapons, if you want to say, in the spiritual life, the chaplet of the Holy Infant of Jesus. So look it up. We will also post this for the week's reflections here of the chaplet. And just think of how beautiful it will be that we will grow in the graces of purity of heart and innocence. Think about all the people you know that need to grow in purity of heart and innocence. So let's start praying the chaplet of the Holy Infant of Jesus.
0: Patty, thank you for yet another beautiful encouragement as we learn about the infant Jesus and grow in our devotion to him. Can I just tell you how excited i am that fall starts on saturday uh you know i was just looking at the fire pit in our backyard and we haven't had a fire in it in a while and i'm running low on firewood i need to get some more but that season is almost upon us just a few days away and my wife loves it because i start making soup around the house and you know, it's one of those things. We actually really like to make soup together. She and I, I, I started the recipe. She's perfected the recipe. I've modified it. We go back and forth. Uh, but it's those times to come together. You know, maybe it's about inviting your neighbors or some school parents, you know, over and say, let's just sit around the fire in the backyard and be that witness. You know, you don't have to say that to them. Come over to my house. I'm going to be a witness to you, to the faith. But to have that, that holy camaraderie, that holy fellowship, that utropalia as a... Uh, my friend Gabe would say, but to spend that time with good people and connecting on good things. I just really look forward to it. I, I I only imagine, I can only imagine how many great conversations the apostles had around a campfire when they were out going throughout the countryside with our Lord as he preached the gospel in the years of his public ministry. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That concludes our show today here on Roadmap to Heaven. We're so glad you spent the hour with us, and we look forward to being with you again tomorrow morning. Father Ken Geraci from the Fathers of Mercy is going to be with us on the show. That's right, uh, Father of Mercy Tomorrow morning, right here on the show, we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and the chaplet of divine mercy. You won't want to miss it. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed morning. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And don't forget to pray your rosary today.